welcome back to Blanker Couch Reviews. I'm your host, Christina. We are back to discuss the second episode in the miniseries, The Witcher Blood Origin of Dreams, Defiance, and Desperate Deeds, written by Alex Meanhan and Aaron Stewart on, directed by Vicki Jusen. In this episode of 7.9 out of 10, there's a lot of... <laughs> There's a lot of unintentional comedic things going on, but I do think that there is a lot of intentional camp, which works in the show's favor. Uh, I find myself entertained. I like the inclusion of the very transparent diversity cast and the fact that they're not shying away from that. Uh, I think also works in its favor. It's not taking itself entirely too seriously, as you can tell with some of the dialogue. And viewing it through the appropriate lens, it's, it's entertaining enough that it certainly merits a four episode watch or would have would have been an afternoon on Christmas. So I can say that has it going for it, but it certainly has some <laughs> questionable decision moments that boggles the mind and even has a few uh <laughs> a few lines that that make one cross-eyed. Before we do jump into the recap, wherever listen to this podcast, Podbean, Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, go down to the radio section, drop some stars, leave a review. My social media will be there as well. Like, share, and subscribe. If you want to send feedback, blackcouch at gmail.com, or you can leave a comment below. I was calling him Fajal last episode. It is Fial, and thank you for saying it in the show where I actually heard it so I knew how it was pronounced. <laughs> I'm sure there was a lot of people screaming at me last week like that is not how you say his name. A dwarf named Meldoff comes knocking at an elf smokehouse who apparently are very racist against dwarves. He makes several disparaging comments about her race, including calling her a whore. She is searching for a Golden Empire sergeant called Telson of the One-Eye. She is told to fuck the fucking fuck off. <laughs> I mean, personally, at whore, I would understand how violence could end up in the situation unfolding. And when she talks and discusses the matter over with her hammer, uh, also named Gwen, who's also the love of her life, they try the less diplomatic route to gain intel. <laughs> While the, the fight happening behind the home, all oh, the CGI in this one, oh, there's quite a few, <laughs> quite a few were. I was 
was having flashbacks to, uh, oh my God, I can't even remember the one that I just never even finished and raised from my memory. That's how bad it was. Cursed. There we go. <laughs> this is working in ways that Cursed did not. Because again, that was trying to take itself seriously. <laughs> Whereas this one knows it is a B movie. Uh, <laughs> the, the line that stood up was the one guy. <laughs> She's like, uh, I'm going to kill people. And someone still had the call death to say, bitch, leave. <laughs> After murdering everyone, she scores some drugs and walks away. A lot of music in this show feels like a cross between Vikings, the OG series soundtrack, and Black Sails. And the luxurious bath, Chicken Bone Aridin, <laughs> soaks uncomfortably with Mustafa, rocking his whole Rasta fun sway right there. I'm a marijuana plant. I can get you fucked up. One thing I must say that's unrealistic. The white head of a military, regardless of their sexual orientation, would have no problem jumping in bed with the rightful princess to overthrow this black motherfucker from low birth. (laughs) Who's suddenly taking over power. And apparently can have it very easily taken from him. I don't understand how she needed to even convince him of a a second coup. That should have been from jump plotting. Like, how the fuck do I get the power away from him? Uh, He informs him that there are holdouts to the Golden Empire. As well as merchants taking advantage Of the food supply shortage, raising the price of grain. I'm not sure. Oh, yeah. The food supply shortage was a problem before. That was the reason why the brother wanted to call peace to begin with. Because everyone was starving their people in this conflict that wanted to have the rich be the victors and the poor continue to suffer. And that's what her brother really wanted to stop, which is why it's really hard. Severely so, even at the sacrifice of her dismissal as a woman (laughs) to see why his plan was worth murdering him over. Mustafa thinks it's a simple matter of flaying and displaying, but Aridin reminds him that fixes nothing since they control the steel we need to explore other worlds because we're trying to colonize some shit. Aridin offers diplomacy uh, by arresting the heads of the guilds and facing or forcing them to their terms as starving citizens are a recipe for rebellion. So look at him being smart one moment and stupid the other. Trust me, they swap places in like half a second because I was like, was it not you last episode that waxed poetry about controlling the masses with stability? They are still tracking Fial and the Lark and have located where they are and are sending troops for an ambush and murder. 
He asked this head of the military, are you incompetent? No, they're just good. (laughs) And it took fuckery to murder the rest of the clan through magic. So maybe sending the subpar warriors would likely end in defeat. And with a flippancy that boggled my mind when Mustafa brings up the potential for both uh, to unite the populace against them with a narrative they can't control. It's Aridin offering to settle matters with death and Mustafa saying that won't solve anything. We need to control the story to control the world. I was getting whiplash between the characterizations. I felt like this was <laughs> two people playing opposite roles of two different points in a conversation. Also, bad guys always never work well together. They're always vying for supremacy. That's why they rather destroy themselves and why we need to love their totally narcissistic traits that allow them to to make those egocentrial, ego, egotistical moves against their allies that turn the tide against them. Allah, it's what happened between Hitler and Stalin. They was like, cool, cool, we cool, we cool. Right, right? And then Hitler was like, fuck that bitch. I'm about to go into his territory. And Stalin was like, you got life fucked up. Do you know how many people live here? Do you know how many people I am willing to sacrifice? The lives I'm willing to sacrifice? I'm going to show you the whole new level of how much I do not give a fuck. And a lot of people died. And rather people want to admit it or not, it's... A huge reason why World War II won and why Stalin was able to bargain the way he did at that table. But back to the show, Byrell defeated is seen from afar. And I do mean you would need a telescope to see the massacre somehow unfolding from the distance they were standing as they reaffirm they need more swords with no one discussing who got coin. No one was checking because they all know they ain't got it apparently as they make their way to Deadwood. It may not be what it was called or pronounced, but that's what I'm going with. Most having fled due to the coup apparently. And they intend to rob the bank to pay for the cell swords. (laughs) However, upon entering the place, it has already been cleaned out. Another cinematography fail. When they showed the the little village. (laughs) I will say, why do you need answers to the obvious? What happened? What do you mean? There are literally vaults taken off of the wall. They also see there are bounty posters out for just the two of them. So that may come into handy at some point. Just as the brigade show up coming to collect, the the very annoyed bank teller tells them to die slowly, assholes. Sion tells her sword daughter to keep in formation and work together and they have a chance of getting out of this. But she allows her emotions to momentarily cloud her judgment and Sion pays a painful price for it. Having been stabbed with a poison arrow. However, she is able to get her shit back together. 
and take a few more out. The three remaining soldiers won't chance death. They're like, uh, you know what? I'm just going to lock you in here and set a fire and let that do the work for us. Sion has a Dorvan steel sword, which is very convenient for that Dorvan steel door. <laughs> and they escape down the hatch. Marin, knowing her imminent death awaiting Baylor's command, once she served her purpose, searches for something while walking the palace to change the balance of power. The, the narrator, Mini Driver's narration, she really wanted us to feel sad for her, saying, oh, all alone. fuck out my face with that shit excuse me but she made them choices uh i thought she ran into a woman until he opened his mouth attempting to kill her because there is now a famine in like two days <laughs> and now she has a new bodyguard in a name i will not try to pronounce so i'm just gonna call him av she be demands to that was the one joke Baylard tried to have when he pronounced his whole name he's like but they just call me av and he's like i wonder why she demands to see for herself but i don't think anyone may want to see you considering your part in this nonsense and the assassin that just tried to kill you Baylor, being lowborn should know better he just orders her into her room. And I'm not sure how you think this is going to continue to help you. Even though at this one point he has the point, someone just tried to murder you. Do you really think going out there is going to help your case? I guess it's Ellie. Is it Ellie or Ayla? I think it's Ayla. Ayla feels guilty for Sion's injury and tells her to rest. Sion encourages her to go with Fiel to find herbs because she knows that the situation is dire and doesn't want her sword daughter to see considering she's still feeling a whole bunch of guilty and even says it out loud. Marin summons her new easily manipulated bodyguard telling him if he doesn't spy for her he will inevitably be murdered since she chose him making him complicit in her downfall before telling him to steal Sundrill's work and also to learn to open the gates. You're not my supervisor! I wanted him to say, I don't think you understand what apprentice means, so I think you need to summon your, your lady's maid to find you a dictionary so that you can comprehend what the term, what the terminology is. Here's just a tepid apprentice, ma'am. And then she took her cloak or his cloak and nonchalantly walked out of the other door like that wouldn't be guarded and anyone cannot still recognize her being. <laughs> it's a nice shiny bright day with that cloak only making you more conspicuous. Roxanne, you don't have to put on the red light. Of 
course, she happens upon Arendelle. Is it Aaron Deer or Aaron Dill? Does it matter? Aaron Deer, I'm going to go with that, and his lover who sold out the fact that the military was going to seize the grain from the merchants <laughs> and thus they escaped. And considering the royal stocks are nearly empty, I wouldn't be chuckling about it and just accepting it with a I'm sorry and a lush kiss. This hidden romance and Mustafa's obvious contempt for his uh, managing abilities and her new mage is all Marin needs to launch her coup de croix. Is that what, how it's called? Coup de... No, that felt so wrong. <laughs> Not even gonna try or attempt it again. <laughs> Mustafa is trying to transform himself, believing that he somehow is not a puppet in the game he's playing with this uh, entity. And we get his deaf ally out of the blue (laughs) and not even properly introduced. (laughs) The way in which they never properly introduce Aaron Dare's lover. (laughs) To be careful of Aaron Deere. I love that they established no reason at all why these two people, particularly one, would care about the other. (laughs) At least Arendir has a lover. We meet Kaylin, who we assumed when he busted out a photo of a poorly drawn, I agree. Fial was a bounty hunter, is only searching for a good story and wants to know because he's found guarding uh, Sion, how they got the said bounty on them. When Ayla admits to going, or that they are going to murder the Empress and anyone involved in her coup, he offers his cleavers as soldiers murdered good people from a village that took him in. They call me Brother Death. With a nickname like that, I expected to see some cleaver action in this episode and I was highly disappointed. Sion is dying. Kaylan offers to take them to a powerful mage scene as she cares. When Sion offers to be left for dead so that her tribe can take care of her. Fiel tells Lark they can't trust this dude that they just met, but seeing as no one is a healer and it's their best shot, into the midst of the marshes they go. Why did we need five minutes extra long of the smoke machine in that moment? (laughs) Someone was just totally into it. It looked like a damn smoke out with Snoop. When the pimp's in the crib, ma, drop it like it's hot, drop it like it's hot, drop it like it's hot. When the pigs try to get at you, park it like it's hot, park it like it's hot, park it like it's hot. And if a nigga get an attitude, pop it like it's hot, pop it like it's hot, pop it like it's hot. I've got the rollie Of course, now we needed to get some nonsensical backstory. At least with feels, it felt like it. It felt <laughs> far more incomplete than, uh, say, say Ayla's. 
Because he had to watch his brother Carrick die, which that's sad. But then I was thinking, did did they go on to use his name to found Carrick? <laughs> I know, it's so stupid. <laughs> then all of a sudden he's artistically fucking in red and I was very distracted by the, oh, uh, oh, uh, oh. Uh. <laughs> That's like a steadily that's supposed to be sexy, but then you got the brother watching and then that just makes it creepy and weird. Talking about boars and how memories are lost before he's covered in some black tar shit. And I'm not sure what the metaphor was supposed to be other than your life is a whole bunch of black tar after your brother died. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what any of that clarification was supposed to be. However, when Ayla is consumed by by the weed inhalations, she gets a memory of why she turned her back on her clan when the king's justice demands and involves burning people and it looked like children alive locked in a locked in a building and is told by your mother at the tender age of innocent to do so. Then she takes a blackened bird out of her stomach while they're singing the lark song. And that's enough to creep me the hell out. But I felt as if there was some actual detail with what was going on with her. Whereas Fio's backstory was put together by very basic and boring reasons it's like yeah i fucked the wrong woman and my brother died and now all of my family are dead (laughs) Theo pulls lark from the water as kaylin matter-of-factly greets his love stunting uh she's over there stunning like she's uh, doing her best galadriel this is Zakare, who is joined by Sindro, who has escaped, apparently. We skipped over all of that. He too walks out of the mist. None worse for a wear, except for, you know, a little dirt here and there. When temper overcomes reason, Fio learns a lesson. <laughs> While Zakare believes that Sindro does need to be punished for his very stupid crimes. That is a job for her and her alone. And only after I hear your, heal your friend. Meldoff is a dwarven psychopath on a rampage due to the loss of her lilac and winterberry smelling Gwen. Uh, as she paints, here lies the rapist and murderer in the blood of said rapist and murderer. I'm a witch splitter. I'm a tall figure. I'm an unforgiving wild ass dog. She is done with the world of elves, but the world of elves is not done with her. Considering all of the elvish, you know, slang and slurs going around, you know, let her people go. Mustafa and his assistant kidnap two celestial being siblings, children, mind you. 
Uh, celestial siblings apparently are born under the same moon and sacrifices this for his chaos magic. Oh, no. I know. I was like, damn, we murdering babies? I think one of the dumbest lines of the series thus far is the narrator stating that the chaos power felt like the power of chaos. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Just as Mustafa is starting to get a taste of that power. Gotcha, bitch! The blue entity said, mere tokens get mere taste. Congratulations, you played yourself. Apparently two babies was not enough and transformation requires true sacrifice. Uh, he's like, can you, can you expound on that, please? Did the subtitles really just say Aridin's lover? Yes, it did. As he wakes to hear Marin in his booze kitchen admiring the china. I think this actress had the most fashionable hairdresser because I must say they be doing the most and I'm here for it. She proposes a reasonable alliance since they both wanted their brother dead. Her brother dead. They both favored lowborn or favor lowborn lovers. She's offering said lowborn lover a council seat, something he always wanted. Valar sucks balls and it's an easier alliance to make. But the sticking point is that Mustafa controls the gateways. She says, I plan to tip the scales, but only if we work together. She leaves them to discuss, but as his lover says, this could be a new beginning. I want to break free. She had you at council seat. She also wants Fial brought back to her because she needs an heir, and that's the baby daddy she wants, despite him promptly Aridin pointing out that the man is going to want to kill you for, you know, murdering his clan, in particular, his sister. Honey Badger don't care. Honey Badger don't give a shit. It just takes what it wants. She trying to pull that stuff from that, uh, that chicken, uh, oh man, what's the series? It was on Stars. It was about the gladiators. But one of them, like, she was obsessed with one of the gladiators and he clearly was in love with someone else. <laughs> but she wanted to get his baby and she did. And he promptly put a knife in her belly to make sure she's never going to hold that bitch. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. I don't, I don't, I don't give a fuck, bitch. I don't give a fuck. To be fair, he, she fucked up the love of his life and sold her out pretty much to the whole market. So no, no, she had karma coming her way, but damn, I just felt bad for the fetus. Ain't doing nothing wrong, but hey. They, uh, having a baby is a two-person decision. <laughs> Let me stop before somebody try to cancel me. <laughs> if it hasn't already happened. Uh, Sion's still hurting. I thought y'all would have healed her by now, but I suppose they had to get back to the bird nest. <laughs> Sindra and Zakara apparently are brother and sister. Celestial twins. Same talents, but different agendas. She's able to fully heal Scion. 
Now that death have passed and the women are done chatting in walks Fial. What the fuck is going on? Sinjo starts talking about his lifelong dreams of reaching other worlds, but okay, that was not the question. They, he and Mustafa finally open a portal to another world, but it wasn't a promised land to pilfer for its resources but a barren place with a scary ass beast in the sky. He told Baylor, we need to stay away from that chaotic place. How many times did they use that word? Due to his bad feelings on the subject, but Mustafa promptly stole his book and told everyone he was lost somewhere. We do not care. for a brief optimistic moment thinks that oh so mustafa is behind it all but he said oh no sweet summer child Marilyn slit your sister's throat herself and i still am baffled by the fact that we were supposed to understand that was his sister when that didn't feel very much touched upon in the show like even when your father was walking you away to be banished for fucking ever she didn't like come along to say i love you brother (laughs) the monoliths are causing tears between the worlds and just drop that bomb on everyone strange energies are leaking into theirs second bomb to be dropped and there are only so many days before the world is ripped apart what the hell did you just say as stan corrected field deserves to lose his temper and beat his ass because he is a colossal fuck up. They want to join them to Zentria to destroy the master monolith to save their world. He used one himself to gateway here and can get them to uh, into the courtyard by the palace tonight or inside the palace. Mustafa doesn't know that travel between the monoliths is possible, and I'm starting to believe that Sandro barely understands any of this shit either four becomes six but when they go through the portal with a very uncertain looking syndrome we shouldn't have been surprised that he has gotten them to another world where there are two moons and a monstrous crawfish who lures their prey with song And that's it. That's how we end the episode with her a lark being chased by the the white crawfish and Central looking very much like he can't open that gateway. So Houston, we have a problem. I wonder next episode if we'll do a better job at character development because there's only four. So you don't have a lot of time to massage any stakes for us to care about. And thus I think this was their prime and best chance to do so. And only with Lark did they even get a little bit successfully onto that track. If you want to send feedback for our next episode, Mimi has already watched the second and third. So she sent an episode for both. So we'll get her thoughts on the next podcast. But blackercouch at gmail.com. You can leave your comment below. Once again, like, share, subscribe. Until the next time, peace, hair grease, and blacker magic.